0: pleasure it is to be up here this morning and be able to bring the word to you. Um, Preachers may retire, but they never go away. They keep showing up at different places. And I hope this morning that you will be blessed by what the good Lord is giving me to share with you this morning. This morning, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Now, it's not as familiar as the Ecclesiastes that we read about the seasons and all, but it's a very important one. Sometimes it's Scripture that's hard to understand, but this morning I want us to uh, to work our way through it as we talk about why I am here. What is our purpose? What are each of us doing here today? So I invite you to join me as I read, listen, or join, follow along in the Bible as we read from Ecclesiastes, the first book, chapter. Now the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And the sun rises and the sun goes down and it hurries to the place where it rises. And the wind blows to the south and it goes round to the north and round and round goes the wind. And so on it circuits. The wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new. It has already been in the ages before us. And the peoples of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who will come after. This is the word of God for each and every one of us. So, why, why am I here? You know, we have to ask ourselves that question at different points in life and places in our life. It's an all-important question. Why am I here? Well, I'm here today, if you look at it in that sense, because in June I retired as a minister, and we were looking for a church place, and we'd heard about y'all, knew some of you. Um, We wanted to find a wonderful place to worship, and I want to tell you we have found it here. And we're here because of you and what you've done in the community and the outreach you have to others. Each of us has a life journey. I'm here because of some friends. Now, I assure you that if 52 years ago in high school you had told our classmates that I would be preaching one Sunday and Cassie would be teaching Sunday school the same day they would have laughed in your face. (laughs) I I just know that to be true. Charlie and I first met about 52 years ago when we both worked at Shainberg's. How many of you remember Shainberg's? Okay, good, good, we did our job, Charlie. Uh, And there's others here that I've worked with been friends with, but that's why we're here. Now, the young folks won't understand this, but as we get older, sometimes we go into the room and we say, what am I here after, right? We don't know why we're there, we forget. But we all know we have a reason. Now, I have a tremendous respect and admiration for President Ronald Reagan, um, he was an inspirational leader that brought all the people in our country together, and he provided our nation and the Western world uh, stability in a time of the Cold War. Um, but the reason I mentioned him this morning, and because I wanted us to consider something, he said and it 's even inscribed on his tomb. He said, "I know in my heart that man is good. I know that what is right will eventually triumph." And there's a purpose and worth to each and every life. Have you ever asked yourself, why did God permit me to wake up this morning? Why is my heart still beating? Why am I here? What is the purpose with my continued existence? If you haven't asked yourself that question, I challenge you to do that at times because sometimes we become complacent and we forget really why we are placed on this earth. Um, there's a reason you're here. I promise you that. And I believe that the answer to that question will help all of us understand what we should be doing and what we have to do in life. I chose the scripture from Ecclesiastes because all of you know, most of you should know, that that Solomon, who's credited with the book of Ecclesiastes, um, he talks about all the negative results that arise when we don't know or either we ignore God's purpose for our life. Now, King Solomon, if anybody, should have known the answer to that question. I mean, Solomon, had it, he had it all. He had all the money he needed. He had all the wealth he could spend. He had more possessions than he could ever use. He had more wives. He had 900 wives. Than he could ever please. Let alone trying to please one. I better go on. <laughs> but y'all know where I'm coming from. Trying to please one is even harder. He had far greater wisdom than anybody in his day. He had it all. Yet for a while, you know, the Bible tells us that he didn't have a real grasp on God's purpose for his life. Can you imagine that? So as we look at that chapter... I want us to go through and and see what he's telling us. Now, one of the translations, instead of saying vanities, it says meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Solomon said everything is utterly meaningless. And I hope you've never felt that way, but we do. Uh, When we don't realize God's purpose in our life, our life just doesn't make sense. We don't know what direction we're going in. We don't know where he's leading us because a lot of the times we're just not listening. I think, too, that if you don't know God's purpose in your life, life can be an endless cycle of futility, and the scripture tells us that. Generations come, generations go, the sun rises, the sun comes down. The winds blow north, the winds blow south, and then it goes round and round and round. Kind of reminded me of a a memory of like a merry-go-round. We used to love to ride merry-go-rounds, right? But we don't want to be on a merry-go-round in life because it goes in circles and we can't get off, and we don't know what's going on. Um, So life becomes like that. All things are wearisome. They become more wearisome than we want to believe sometimes. In other words, it's just wearing me out. Uh, Life will do that if you don't have a plan and if you don't... uh, move forward and love forward and care about people and things like that see the other thing one other thing if you don't know god's purpose in your life you're going to never really be satisfied did you notice in verse eight that he said the eye has never seen enough seeing nor the ear it's full of hearing see we always want more as I look across here, I know I see many of you who can remember looking at a black and white 10-inch tube TV. Putting tinfoil on antennas to try to get a better signal, right? And today, what do we have? We have huge, huge TVs, uh, giant screens. We have high-fidelity. We have stereo sound. We have surround sound. We have bows and all these other... Uh, speaker systems that just bring it close to us. But you know what, we're still not content. I sure don't want to see a show of hands, but I bet most of you have cable TV or thereabouts, and most of you probably have 100 or more channels. Somebody, some of us up to 250 channels. How many times have you been sitting in a room with somebody who had the remote and there ain't nothing to watch on TV, <laughs> right? We're never satisfied. We want more. We have to get more. Um, We won't be satisfied until we realize what God is doing in our life. If you don't know God's purpose in your life, your life is going to seem insignificant. It is, I promise you that. There's no um, verse eleven said. There's no resemblance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. You're going to be forgotten. One of my favorite Christian pastors and and authors is Tony Campolo. I don't know if you've ever read him. Tony is 87 years old now. I had a chance to actually uh, study under him some when I was in seminary. Great man. But one of the most profound things he said that stayed with me, he said, if you ever start to feel proud, just remember that soon after your body is lowered in the ground, your family and friends are going to be eating potato salad and telling jokes, and you'll be history. We laugh. Why? Because it's true. Uh, But that's depressing, and I didn't come up here to talk about things that are are depressing. But we've only begun to scratch the surface of our lives um, that, that Solomon described as empty. He said our lives were meaningless, futile, insignificant, and he even said out of control. So how do we discover God's purpose for our life? Now, if your life is anything like Solomon described, I want you to be, sure, be assured that God has a purpose for you in your life. I want to read to you from the Message Bible. Now, I don't study the Message Bible when I'm studying God's Word, but I read it because it reads easy and I like what it says in modern terms. And this is from Ephesians, uh, the first chapter, verses 4 and 5. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole, to be made holy by his love. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. See, that tells us that God had us in mind before he created the heavens and the earth. God had mankind in his mind. And God had the... He created us with the idea of us focusing on His love for us. He said we would be His family, right? Adopted sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. And how do I know that? God says, I was made in His image. He said, you were made in His image. And I want you to remember, I don't know how much you remember our sermon, sometimes you remember a lot, and sometimes you go, I'm glad that's over. But, each and every person in this room and in this world is a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Have you ever thought about yourself as a miracle, you think about that. There's nobody like you. There will never be anyone like you, even in identical twins. They have different personalities and they have different desires and goals in life. You are a unique, unrepeatable miracle created by God. And it says that God took pleasure in all of this coming together. And sometimes I just, I think too much sometimes, but I was sitting in my chair this week and I was thinking, can you just see the the, sparkle in God's eyes as he looks down and thinks that one day we're going to be together with him forever? One of my favorite books that I read one time was, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Think about that. He loves us that much. In Ephesians, verse 110, it says, And this was his purpose, that when the time is right, he will gather us all together from wherever we are in heaven or in earth to be with him in Christ forever. Did you hear that? We are all a part of his family, and we're going to be with God forever. And when the time is right, whether you're already in heaven or you're on earth, he's going to bring us all together forever. One other thing I want you to think about that maybe you've never thought about See, we're not humans going on to a spiritual life. You ever thought about that? We are spirits who were born into this world for a very brief time in the existence of time. And how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that God says he knew us before we were knitted in our mother's womb. Now think about that. Before he placed us in our mother's womb, he knew us. So we were spirits then. We're going on to a time that we'll spend much more time with him forever, much longer than we're here. Um, So if I had to summarize what I'm saying this morning, God's purpose in our lives is for us to prepare to be in eternity with him forever. Now we may live to be 70 or 80 or 90 years old, But that's just a tiny speck on the yardstick of life because we're going to live forever. Uh, The reason God has left us here is to get ready for eternity, and that's the reason for our existence. So what does God want us to do? We know what he's doing for us, but what does he want us to do? I think, first of all, God wants us to get to know him. So how do you get to know people, right? If you're part of his family, If he's my heavenly father, he wants me to get to know him better. How do I get to know him? I spend time with him, right? I talk to him. I pray to him. I listen to him. And that's what we have to do with God to get to know him. We have to study. Immerse ourselves in what he's doing for us. Uh, The Bible also teaches that we can get to know who God is by knowing who Jesus is, right? Jesus said, as a matter of fact, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Lord. Another thing is God wants us to become more Christ-like, and we go, oh, that's so hard. We try, but we mess up every day, but we can strive for perfection. We may not or will not reach it in this world, but one day we will. See, if I'm a member of his family and God is my father, then I ought to take on some of his characteristics, right? Just like my children have some of my traits in our family I should exhibit some of the traits of Jesus as well I should be able to walk out of this church and go into the community and look somebody look at me and not that I'm proud of they go you know there's a Christian they ought to be able to tell that by the way we do and think and act not by what we say St. Francis of Assisi one of my patron saints said one time Preach a sermon every day. Only use words if you have to. Think about that. Um, God is always trying to form his character in us. Romans 8.28 said it very succinctly. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Those who have been called according to his purpose. And that would be me and that would be you. Some are called to be in the pulpit. Some are called to be in the choir. Some are called to be in the pews. But we're all called to serve God. Let me read another verse from the Message Bible. Verses 28 and 29 that we read earlier. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working into something good. Why is everything working together for the good in my life? So here's why. It's working together because God knew what he was doing from the very start. We may not know, but he knew. And he decided to shape our lives in such a way that as we loved him, we would become more like him and become more like Jesus. You know, we ask ourselves a lot of questions. Excuse me. We ask ourselves why things happen in life. Some good, some bad. Why do bad things happen to good people? We ask that question. And God doesn't intervene because of our free will. If God micromanaged our lives, we wouldn't have a life, would we? But he is wanting us to develop a Christ-like character in our lives. The third thing that God wants us to do while we're here is is to learn to care for others. Blessed to be blessed. November. Care for others. Do things for them in the world. Um, We have to be examples for children. Especially our children. Because they look up to us. Now, some of you know our older son, Christopher. Some of you went to school with him. But when he was probably four years old, and we were at Wesley United Methodist Church then, um, he had a bad habit. He loved to go into the living room, away from the den—that's back when you had both—and he would take off his shoes and he would spin in circles until he fell down. I don't know; he picked it up from a cartoon or something. And I'd go in there and go, "Boy, you're gonna get drunk. Quit doing that." He'd just laugh and do it again. We were coming out of the church one Sunday, and a dear elderly gentleman, Daryl Fry—some of you may have known Daryl—was uh, standing there, and he looked down at Christopher and he said, "Christopher, what are you gonna do this afternoon?" And he looked up at me and said, Mr. Darrell, I'm going to go home, take my shoes off, and get drunk. <laughs> now, I don't have to tell you how Darrell looked at me. <laughs> and I didn't say anything but grabbed him by the hand, and now we went. Kids are like sponges. They listen to everything you say, and they do everything you do. So be careful. Um. So we have to know that, that we are setting an example for all people, with everything we say, whether it's in jest or not. The most Christ-like picture that was ever given to us in the Bible, though, was in the scripture of Jesus wrapping the towel around his waist and washing the feet of the apostles. And God says, I want you to be like him. I want you to do just like him. Now, the last thing as I start to close, why are we here today at Burship Church? We're here to worship, and we're here to praise God. That's why we come. One of my seminary buddies told me a story, a true story, about an old man that would come to church every Sunday. He was on a walker, and he couldn't hardly see, he couldn't hear, but he'd hobble down to the front and he'd sit on the front pew every Sunday morning. And the kids made fun of him. Matter of fact, some of the older boys, teenage boys, even tried to harass him a little bit. And one Sunday he came down and he sat on the front row. And these three guys came up to him and they said, he said, hey, he kind of looked up at him and he said, why, why do you even come to church? I said, what? He said, you can't walk, you can't hear, You can't see. What good is it for you to come to church? The old man just sat there. And one of them says, what about it, old man? He said, well, I come because I want people to know whose side I'm on. Think about that. We come for a lot of reasons. Uh, We come to enjoy the music, and y'all have one of the most beautiful music teams that I know of. We come to fellowship, but we must come to worship. Gary said, you're going to step on toes. I said, I hope not, but I might. If you walk through that door on Sunday morning for any other reason than to come and praise God, you need to turn around and go home. Not that we can't enjoy everything, not that it doesn't build up to it, but your purpose in coming To be a part of a church fellowship is to worship God. To build him up high and mighty. To recognize what he is in your life. And I I surely don't want to take away from from the music or any of the fellowship. It's wonderful. But all it is here for is to, to pull you into your love of God. So I sat in my office at home this week thinking about today. TV, I actually found one station I wanted to watch, news station. And they were talking about the coronation of the new king in England. And they mentioned Diana, and I got to thinking about Diana. Do you remember, those of you who followed along remember that she lived in palaces, and she rode in luxurious automobiles, and she ate the finest food, right? She wore designer clothes, and she had expensive jewelry, and she was young and famous, and she was beautiful. And then another person popped into my mind. That's Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa is one of my heroes. She was old and bent. She was living in the slums of Calcutta, India, where she spent her entire life working among the diseased and dying people who crowded into her makeshift warps every day. I don't know if you know much about Mother Teresa, but her feet were the worst. Because every time somebody would give her a decent pair of shoes, she would give it to somebody who needed. Her shoes never matched, and they were never big enough, or they were too big. And they just wore on her feet. So since both of them have passed on, uh, we've learned a lot about both of their personal lives. Which one of these do you suppose was the happiest? I believe that part of the secret of the contentment of his life when we're part of God's family is the way we give ourselves away to find out what life is really all about. To be there for others, to do things, because God has asked us to do that. Now, finally, there's one other thing that I think God wants me to do, and I think that's to share what I've learned about God's purpose. I need to tell others why God keeps me around because God's plans for those who have discovered the purpose in life to share it, to take it to others, to take it in the world. The Bible said God was reconciling himself to the world and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You can find that in 2 Corinthians. So once I realized God's grand purpose for working in my life, that is to prepare me for eternal life, then with all my heart and with all my soul, I need to get to know him better. I need to become more and more like Jesus every day. I need to seek to live a life that reflects his love for us. I'll share one other quick story with you. There was a young boy, minister was doing children's time. Becky does a great job up here in that church. Minister was doing children's time. There's a little boy, this was uh, one of my district superintendents. Hey, this happened to you. And he was around, and he was all excited. He was a very animated guy, and he was going, oh, God is so big. God is everywhere. God's in the whole world, and God's in your heart. And this little guy reached over and tugged on his coat. He said, Mr. Rayford, Mr. Rayford. He said, what? He said, God's in my heart. He said, yeah. He said, well, if God's in my heart, and he's that big, why ain't he busting out? Sermon in there for another time. So we have to go into the world. We have to do as God has called us to do. So I would admonish you to do it this way. Let's go. Let's follow in the footsteps of Nike's ad and just do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite Philip and Jackson up now as we have a, a...